And Lord, we just thank you so much that you are revealing yourself to us more and more. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome to Healing University. My name is Daniel Amstutz, and I'm the director of the Healing School. And what a blessing it is to have Healing University and have you be a part of it. This is a continuation of our in-depth study on healing. This is titled, The Difference Between Covenants. I'm so excited to share this topic with you today because if you don't understand the difference between covenants, you're going to be one messed up puppy. This teaching could change your life forever, and I believe it's going to. Uh, if you've been somebody who thought you had to qualify for healing or to be good enough for healing, then this is going to help you. Or if you thought to live a balanced life, you needed to live a little from the laws of the old covenant as well as a little mix from the new covenant, then this is really going to help you. Hosea 4, 6 says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Let's not let that be said of us. Amen. The Bible opens in Genesis 1, 1 by saying, in the beginning, God created. And nowhere, interestingly, do we find that God created sickness. Isn't that something? There was no sickness or disease in the beginning anywhere. God created Adam and Eve in his image, not some weird image of bondage and sickness and disease, right? He then called his creation of mankind not just good, but very good. He blessed them, and then he established covenant with them. He told them in Genesis 1.28, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth and subdue it. And then he told them to have dominion, have dominion, have authority, rule the earth. He didn't say be sick and let sickness glorify me. So in the beginning, what we clearly see is there was no sickness or disease. You know what else? There will be no sickness or disease in heaven. We know this from Revelation 21.4. So no sickness in the beginning, no sickness in heaven. So let me ask you a question. Why is there sickness now? Good question, right? Why has culture accepted sickness as a normal part of life? Listen, when Jesus... When Jesus was teaching his disciples how to pray, he told them in Matthew 6, 10, something really interesting. He says this, pray that God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know it. So why are so many managing their sickness and diseases today? We see sickness everywhere, don't we? Listen, you can't experience God's will here on the earth as it is in heaven if you don't even know what God's will is. It's important for us to know the will of God. And to know the will of God, we have to know the word of God. So a lack of knowledge of God or his word in our generation is really what I believe to be epidemic. People perish because of lack of knowledge. This is what Hosea 4 verse 6 was referring to. God has never seen sickness as a blessing. So let's examine this more closely in the light of what the Bible calls covenant. As we look at this idea of covenant, it's going to become clear that when we as believers today are in covenant with God, 
God is for you because he's good, not because you are. We learn in the new covenant that when God is for you, then Romans 8.31 says, who can be against you? Pretty powerful, isn't it? But the old covenant wasn't like that. It was conditional. And we're going to unpack some of these differences between the old and the new covenant and how it pertains to healing. Big differences. It's so vital to know what covenant you're living in. Or, like I said, it's going to really mess you up. And we have a lot of people who don't know the covenant that they need to be living in. But I've got good news for you today. Sickness and disease has no authority to be against you. It cannot remain in your body. Hallelujah. So how does sickness get here? A lot of people ask me this question. How does sickness get here? And why is it still here? Well, what we see from scripture is that sickness was never the will of God for his people. Sickness came as a result of Adam and Eve's unbelief, their disobedience to what God told them was the sin that opened the door to spiritual death and then physical death as a result. Not only for them, but for all humanity from then on. Sickness came with spiritual death. Genesis 2.17, God says this, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die, or dying you will die. Well, their sin brought death, sickness, disease, destruction, and evil upon all humanity. All sickness is the result of universal sin or what we would call the original sin. The sickness or disease in your body today may or may not be a result of personal sin. We have to be careful with this, but it is definitely the result of original sin. So this is why even now babies are born sometimes with genetic defects or disease. It's certainly not because that baby has committed some personal sin or their parents. The ongoing effect of spiritual death is still happening today. Universal sin brought death and we see the results all around us in our world today, don't we? Adam and Eve had God-given authority. And what they did was they gave up their authority to Satan through their disobedience. They gave up what was given to them, their dominion, their authority. And God created mankind in not somebody else's image, but he created mankind in his image so that his image could be known everywhere in the earth. He wanted his glory to fill the earth. This was the original intent of God's heart. He wanted his will to be known and lived out loud. And you know what? He still does. And he gets his desire accomplished through Jesus. So out of image, being created in the image of God, comes identity. Out of identity flows authority. And this is what Satan is after. He is after your authority, just like he was after Adam and Eve's. He wants your authority as well. We're not going to give it to him, are we? Amen. Adam and Eve gave up their dominion and their ability to rule and reign through their sin, through their disobedience. Man, I tell you what, they gave their authority to Satan when they disobeyed God. And I think it was one of the saddest days in all of the history of the world. Second Corinthians 4.4 describes Satan as the God of this world. But I want you to think about this for a minute. 
I want you to think about this statement. Before Adam and Eve sinned, they were spiritually what we will be. God created them that way. Think about it. They were fully alive unto God and would have lived forever in perfection. However, they traded what God said for what seemed to be good to them in the moment. They broke the covenant. They broke the image and they experienced spiritual death as a result. So let me encourage you with this. Always go with what God said. No matter what it looks like, go with God's word. God is always good, but good is not always God. God is love, and he is love not only in the new covenant, but he's love in the old covenant. God is love. He doesn't just have love. He is the healer in both covenants. God doesn't change. He is changeless. But how he deals with us is very different depending on what covenant you're in. It's all based on covenant. For additional study, I want to give you a couple scriptures. We're not going to take the time to go through them all, but I want to just give you some additional scriptures for study here. Look up Malachi 3, verse 6, Psalm 102, verse 27, Numbers 23, 19, James 1, 17, and Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 8. Powerful insight as to how God is a God who remains changeless. So we're going to discover that the covenants are very different from each other. And we must understand that the old covenant should always be interpreted in the light of the new covenant, not the other way around. So I like to tell people this. If you must blame somebody for all this mess caused by original sin, you know what? You can blame the Adams family, okay? We all were born into the Adams family. But thank God we can be born again into God's family through the second Adam, the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Did you know that sickness is not even mentioned in Scripture until Genesis 12, verse 17? And that was the result of a plague. And the first time healing is mentioned in the Bible is in Genesis chapter 20 and verse 17. When Abraham prayed and God healed Abimelech, healed his wife and his female servants, and then they bore children. So since God is always unchanging, wouldn't it make sense that his word is unchanging as well? God's word never changes, but it does change us. I love that so much. Numbers 23, 19 says this, God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Has he said, and will he not do? Or has he spoken, and will he not make good? Hebrews 4 and verse 12 says, for the word of God is living and powerful, amen, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The word of God will literally show you what you need to see. Like a sword, it'll cut off whatever's trying to restrict you and bind you and bring you into a place of limitation. The Bible, God's written word, is a progressive revelation that has to be understood in context. So the reason I say that is because 
We don't really see the full representation of God until the word becomes flesh in the new covenant. John 10 and verse 30, Jesus said, I and the father are one. And you know what? In Jesus, we see God's best. Hallelujah. In the new covenant, we can live in Christ, in God's best. Jesus said in John 14, 9, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. So why do you think God chose to reveal himself through covenant? This is the big word that we're unpacking today is the word covenant. Why do you think God chose to reveal himself through covenant? Well, I believe that it is his nature because God is the divine three in one. He has always existed in covenant relationship. He only knows covenant relationship. So that is what he established on earth once he created man in his image. So you may be asking the question, so what exactly is covenant? Well, a very simple definition, we could spend a lot of time unpacking this, but a very simple definition is a chosen relationship in which promises are made to each other that are binding. Well, God chose and loved us first. He gave us his word. Now listen to this, the old covenant was God responding to our choice, being represented in Adam and Eve. The old covenant was God responding to our choice. The new covenant is for us to respond to God's choice. I love that. Within the entire old covenant, there were several smaller covenants, if you will, starting with Adam, then Noah, eventually Abraham, and then finally the law, being given to the nation of Israel as the Mosaic covenant. It's interesting that approximately 2,500 years transpired from Adam to the law being given. Romans 5 verse 13 says something very interesting. It says, until the law, until the law, until the law, sin was in the world, but sin was not imputed or held against when there was no law. So what we discover is that during this time, sin was not held against those who were sinning. For 2,500 years, God did not hold their sins against them. Wow. This shows us his nature, how long suffering God is, how merciful God is. God is so awesome. So let me ask you something. When you think about Adam and Eve and what they did, why didn't God give Adam the law instead of waiting until all these other covenants and finally giving the law to Moses for the nation of Israel? Why didn't God give Adam the law, especially after what Adam and Eve did? Why did he wait so long? Well, I personally believe that God extended mercy to them. God is love. And I think that if Adam and Eve would have had a full revelation of what they actually did through their sin, I personally think it would have destroyed them. He did not hold their sins against humanity. God did not hold the sins of humanity against them for 2,500 years. That's incredible. Sin was not imputed until the law. So Psalm 136 verse 1 says that God is good and his mercy endures forever. In the beginning, even after sin entered the, the earth, people lived for hundreds of years. But as sin progressed, life expectancy became limited. We see the ongoing results 
of sin working in the lives of people. You've heard this before. It's been said many times, but it bears repeating again, I believe, that sin will always take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. Man, so true, but so sad. God has always wanted to express himself in relationship, and it really isn't fully realized until Jesus. God wanted a people for his glory. And out of his people being in slavery, God eventually raises up Moses to deliver them and bring them into their own land. And then he said about Israel, he said, I wanted them to be a whole kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Think about that. In Exodus chapter 19 and verse 5 and 6, the people promised that they would do all the Mosaic law. But of course, as we know, they promised, but they didn't do it. Here's why. This covenant was conditional, and their obedience determined whether they would be experiencing the blessings of the law or the cursings of the law. And God knew he had to do something to show them right from wrong because of how things had progressed over the years and show them their need for a savior. And this is why the law was given in the first place. God wanted Israel to experience how impossible it was going to be for them to be good enough to merit the blessings and get any of the and and never get any of the curses. But the law was not given to the Gentiles. It was given to Israel and it was meant to make them realize they could never measure up, leading them right smack into the mercy of God. Hallelujah. Even though all of this, even through all of this, God was always willing to deliver them and forgive them. If they asked him and he would be faithful over and over to heal their land. Now look at this. This is interesting. Deuteronomy 28. Nearly everyone knows this passage, right? But Deuteronomy and chapter 28 clearly outlines the blessings and the curses of the law. And here's why I want to point this out is we never, ever see sickness in scripture as a blessing. In fact, you know what God calls sickness? God called it, not somebody else, but God called it a curse. Sickness was never a blessing. In Deuteronomy 28, verses 1 through 14 are the blessings, and then 15 to the end are the curses of the law. So if you take the time to unpack this from Deuteronomy, which I'd encourage you to do in your study groups once we get done teaching this lesson today, take some time to go through this. It's powerful. Also see Deuteronomy 28 and verse 22 and verse 27 and 28, verse 35, and then verses 59 through 61. Very interesting all through that entire chapter as you see the blessings and the curses. So sickness wasn't a blessing because God is the healer. Amen. In fact, in Exodus chapter 15 and verse 26, as the Lord is revealing himself to the people back then, he says, I am the Lord who what? I'm the Lord who heals you. Praise God. Deuteronomy 7 verse 15 says this, and the Lord will take away from you all sickness and will afflict you with none of the terrible diseases of Egypt, which you have known, but will lay them on all those who hate you. So these blessings were yours if you obeyed, and the curses were the result of disobedience. Your behavior, your actions, determined whether you were going to experience blessing 
or cursing according to the particular covenant that you were under. So this is why people who try to receive healing today based on their goodness or their good behavior will always be frustrated. They're trying to qualify themselves by their own works instead of receiving the finished works of Jesus, understanding that we are now under a better covenant. So once the law was given, another 1,500 years passed before that better covenant could be established on better promises. Thank God for the new covenant. Amen. Galatians 3, verse 23 through 25 tells us that the law was like a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. The law literally created an awareness of our need. Romans 5.20 says, the law entered that the offense might abound. Wow. Galatians 3.19 says, so what purpose then does the law serve? It was added because of transgressions till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. This is a powerful statement. Do you know your covenant determines your possibility? So with that in mind, I want to talk now about the new covenant. Enough about the old covenant, even though there's so much more we could cover. But I want to talk a little bit about the new covenant. The old covenant, again, was God responding to our choice. The new covenant is for us to respond to God's choice. The old covenant was for one people, the Israelites, while the new covenant is for all people. Talk about a major difference between covenants. Romans 15 verse 4 says, For whatever things were written before were written for our learning. Speaking of the old covenant, whatever things were written before were written for our learning that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Hallelujah. John chapter 1 and verse 17 says, For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So the new covenant started after Jesus died and rose again. When he died, there needed to be a last will and testament, and the new covenant is exactly that. It's really not that different from today. If someone were to die, they would have a will or or a, a, a testament, if you will, a last will. And this is what happened with Jesus. And so the new covenant is exactly that. It is his written will for you and for me. So 1 Corinthians 15, verse 22 says this, For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 49 says, And as they have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. Thank God for the word. Amen. Thank God for a better covenant. Hebrews 8, 6. I love the book of Hebrews. It says this, But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry. He being Jesus. He has obtained a more excellent ministry inasmuch as he is also mediator of a better covenant, which was established upon better promises. So let me ask you, if if you're living in a better covenant with better promises, why would you ever want to go back to something that's already been fulfilled? Why would you put yourself under an old covenant in trying to be good enough to qualify for God's blessing? It's because of lack of understanding. For lack of knowledge, 
again, we perish in an area where we don't know. Not knowing is, is something that will cause us to enter into a place of limitation and many times unbelief. Hebrews chapter 8 and 12 and 13, chapter 8 verses 12 and 13 says this, For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. In that he says a new covenant, a new covenant, he has made the first obsolete. Now, what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. So Jesus is, is, is confirming to us over and over again that he was the fulfillment of the old covenant. We don't have to try to go back. We need to go forward. We need to go progressively in the word of God to where God is taking us now on the path of the righteous. There grows brighter and brighter every day, not dimmer and dimmer. We're going from glory to glory, from grace to grace. Thank God for the new covenant. Again, God was looking for a people to express his image in the earth. He, he wanted to fellowship with us, honestly, like he did in the beginning in the Garden of Eden before there was sin. He would walk and talk with them. And that's what God wants even now for us. He wanted a people who would be spiritually alive instead of a people that were spiritually dead. So he knew in order for that to happen, he would have to come to earth himself as a human being. He needed to establish a better covenant and the strength of it would have to be established by himself. So John chapter one, verse 14 says this, and the word became flesh. Thank God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the father, not full of law and legalism, but full of what? full of grace and truth. Hallelujah. John three sixteen. you know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Hallelujah. We know Jesus was born of a virgin and therefore he didn't have a sinful nature. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Ghost into the womb of Mary. His birth was unique. That's why we call it the virgin birth. It was unique. Luke chapter one, verse 37 and 38 says this, for with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Man, what if we had the attitude of Mary and just said, you know what, Lord, let it be to me according to your word, not what the doctor's report is saying, not what well-meaning friends are saying, but be it to me according to your word. Jesus is the only person who fulfilled the law by living it perfectly. Romans 10, four says, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. So he became sin so that we could have right standing with him, so that we could become the righteousness of God in Christ. He literally became the curse on our behalf. Listen to this out of Galatians chapter three, verses 13 and 14. It says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. 
For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham, notice not the blessings, but the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. You know, when you're blessed of the Lord to have relationship with him, then all the blessings follow the blessing. The blessing is having relationship with an almighty God through his son, Jesus Christ, and to be in right standing with him. After that, all the blessings just flow. We seek first the kingdom of God and all the other things are added to us. But it's so important to get our foundation established correctly. Amen. 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says this, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. Wow. That we might become the righteousness of God in him. Well, you know what? Not only that, but he took our sickness and disease on himself and literally carried away our pain. He was beaten with stripes on our behalf. He gave his life for us. The old covenant prophet prophesied of a time coming when the price of our atonement would be fully paid, forgiving our sin and including the provision for our healing. We studied how one of the curses of the law was sickness. So in Jesus becoming a curse for us, he literally fulfilled the Isaiah prophecy in that he took our sicknesses. He literally became the curse. Listen to this out of Isaiah chapter 53, verses four and five. Surely he has borne our griefs and the griefs word there in the Hebrew means sickness, weakness, and pain. So let's say it like this. Surely he has borne our griefs, our sickness, our weakness, and our pain and carried away our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities and the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. Praise God. Jesus fulfilled this prophetic word in Matthew chapter eight, verses 16 through 18 says this, when evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon possessed and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah, the prophet saying he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. I've had people tell me over the years that the Isaiah 53 passage was just talking about a spiritual healing. Well, no, it is including a spiritual healing, but how many know right here out of Matthew chapter eight, verses 16 through 18, specifically the writer under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit says he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Hallelujah for the word of God. Amen. Acts 10 38 says this, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed, not by God, but who were oppressed by the devil. Why? For God was with him. Now listen, you know what? Jesus had zero tolerance for sickness and never turned someone away who desired healing. Isn't that powerful? 
Jesus wasn't healing what God was oppressing. I want to say that again. Jesus wasn't healing what God was oppressing. The devil was the one and is the one who is oppressing. Jesus only did the will of God. He never once went against the will of God. This is why we know healing is always the will of God. We don't have to wonder about it anymore. John chapter 5, verse 19 and 20. I love the word of God so much, don't you? John 5, 19 and 20. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the father do. For whatever he does, the son also does in like manner. For the father loves the son and shows him all things that he himself does. And he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. I tell you what, I don't know about you, but I'm marveling already. It's pretty, pretty amazing what God is doing. In the gospel of John chapter six, verse 38, we find this. Jesus says this, for I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. I love that. So you know what? We never have to wonder who the healer is or if it's God's will for us to live in health and wellness and wholeness. John 14 verses eight and nine, Philip said to him, said to the Lord, Lord, show us the father and it is sufficient for us. And Jesus said to him, Philip, have I been with you so long and yet you have not known me? He who has seen me has seen the father. So what is the father like? Like Jesus. What does the father do? What Jesus did. Is, it, is God the healer? Yes, because Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. Hallelujah. So this is how we know God is through his word. God sent his best by sending his only son. Praise God. So that we could enter into the finished works of Jesus. I like to say it this way. God sent his best so we could enter into his rest. Praise God. For the first time ever in history, we could and we can now enter into the finished works of Jesus. John 6, 28 and 29. Then they said to him, Jesus, to, to Jesus, they said to him, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? I love that question. I remember the first time I saw that, what a huge impact that verse had on my heart. I'm like, yes, that's what I'm saying. What must we do to work the works of God? Well, Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he sent. So what do we need to do? We need to believe. We need to be under the right covenant. We need to know the word of God and believe his word. And then we're going to do the works of God. Listen to this. John 10, 10 says this. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill and to destroy. I have come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. Listen, just because forgiveness has been provided and it is the will of God that all go to heaven Unless we believe it and receive it, it is not going to automatically happen. Healing is the same thing. Healing through Jesus isn't something that can happen. It's something that already has happened. Healing has been provided, but it must be believed and received in order for one to experience the benefits. We're no longer waiting for healing 
to manifest. Healing is here. It is always God's will for you to prosper and be in health. Forgiveness is here. Hallelujah. We just need to receive by faith what God has already provided through his grace. Second Peter 3, 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So what is our response today to the new covenant? What should we do today? Well, if you're about to die and leave the earth, do you think your last words might be words of importance? If you only had just a few words to say, what would those words be? Well, Jesus was about to be seated at the right hand of the Father, and these are the last recorded words of Jesus before he returned to heaven. So, I don't know about you, I don't know about you but I believe these words may have been pretty important. Amen? So listen to this, Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. Notice not old covenant commandments, but what Jesus has commanded them. And he says, And lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the age. Wow. Then Mark's, the gospel of Mark, the writer Mark, his version of this, listen to this in Mark 16. These are the last words, verses 17 and 18. It says this, and these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They'll take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They, meaning those who believe, will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. I remember a lady came up to me in the healing school one day and she said, you know, I, I, I hear this, but I don't believe it. And I said, well, then don't worry about it. It won't work for you. <laughs> Amen. It says these signs will follow those who what? Who believe, not those who doubt and not believe. These signs will follow those who believe. One of the signs is we're going to lay our hands on the sick and they're not going to get sicker. We're going to lay our hands on the sick and they will recover. Amen. Amen. So signs follow those who are going somewhere. Signs follow the preaching and the teaching of the word of God. And signs follow those who believe. John 14, 12. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because... I go to my father and whatever you ask in my name, that will I do that the father may be glorified in the son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Wow. What an incredible promise under the new covenant that we have. Then later on in the new Testament, James out of chapter five and verse 14 says this 14 through 16 is anyone among you sick. Let him, the one who's sick, Call for the elders of the church. Notice the elders shouldn't be calling the sick person, but the sick should be calling for the elders of the church. And let those elders pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save or heal the sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. 
Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So here we see even healing through relationship in the new covenant. Third John 2, beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Romans 12, 2, and don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Wow, this is so powerful. When we begin to understand the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant, and that our receiving healing today is not based upon our behavior. It's not based upon our goodness or how qualified we are with all the things that we've done. Many times someone will come up to us and say, I, I'm just waiting for my manifestation of my healing. Uh, I, I don't know what I'm doing wrong because, and then they begin to list everything. I've been in the word, I've been praying, I've been confessing. Well, right away, I know they're basing their qualifications as the root for how they should get healed. See, it's not based on what you've done. It's based on what Jesus did. And when we enter into those finished works of Jesus, then we really begin to realize that Jesus is the healer, not us. And the difference between living under an old covenant mindset or an old covenant mentality and the new covenant is literally night and day. So don't be one messed up puppy. Amen. Be somebody who is full of power, full of the Holy Ghost, full of the, the will of God and understanding what the purpose is in the earth today to give glory to God. Amen. Through our lives, through our hearts, through everything that we are about, we're going to we're going to be determined to give glory and honor unto the Lord. So, you know what I want to do? I want to pray for you for a minute and I want to just speak the word of God over you. Thank you again for being a part of our Healing University and this in-depth study that we are so excited to be able to provide. I think it's going to be significant in, in the lives of so many people as well as significant in each of our lives as instructors. So thank you. Let, let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for every person who is sitting under this teaching today. I thank you that your word is alive and powerful. And even as I've been teaching today, things have been getting cut off the hearts of your people. Lies and identifications and, and old belief systems that were attached to the heart. Lord, your word literally like a skilled surgeon, like a two-edged sword has come to cut away what would bring people into sickness and disease and bondage and limitation. And I declare in Jesus' name, all of that stuff is cut off of your heart right now in the name that is above every name. I speak healing and wholeness over you right now. I release the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of healings, the gifts of miracles and, and all that God has for you. I release it into your heart and into your lives right now for you to be able to live in the will of God, to know the will of God, to be established in the will of God because you are in the word of God. Father, we thank you for your mercy. Thank you that you meet us where we are and move us forward. Thank you for the covenant. Thank you for the new covenant that is established upon better promises. We are so grateful, Lord, for who you are and for what you've done. 
Thank you for this group of people, Lord, who has taken the time to jump into the deep end of the pool, to jump into the word of God and allow the Holy Ghost to literally marinate them in spirit and in truth. Lord, I believe DNA is being changed even right now. Cancer, we curse you in the name of Jesus. And we say you have no place in the body of Christ. You have no place in the temple of the Holy Ghost. You have no place in the body that belongs to the Lord Jesus. We bless you, Lord God, and we thank you that healing is ours all because of you, Jesus. You took our healing. You took our sickness and brought us healing. You took our sin so that we could become righteous. And Lord God, we praise you today. We worship you and we thank you for your amazing provision, your amazing grace provision. And we pray this all now in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen and amen. I'm just giving you a minute to marinate in that. <laughs> Some good stuff. The whole thing Some about um, for 2,500 years, oh, I thought the same thing. he did not hold accountable for wow. our sins. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. it, I used to, I can remember asking pastors years ago, well, what happened to the people, you know, during all that time that, yeah. There was no law. There was nothing. You know. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And it was right there all along. <laughs> I know. Well, if he had explained it the way he yeah. did, I didn't get that. I didn't get it. it. <laughs> you didn't get that. that. Yeah. Yeah. I might get that. Yeah. It started in grace. Mm. And it ends in grace. That's a good way to say that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'll write that down. There was only a few punishments that were as a part of Adam's covenant. Right. It was the ground was going to get harder to till. Mm -hmm. It was going to be childbirth for women. Women had to childbirth. Uh, things of that nature, and mm -hmm. he actually let mm -hmm. up on some of the some of the things uh, that he originally had had talked about. So mm -hmm. I mean, you know, it wasn't. It was only the covenants that he made that he, yeah. you know, and, and I've even heard it this way that even the even the um, the Gentiles mm -hmm. during the time that uh, between the time of Moses mm -hmm. all the way until Jesus, mm -hmm. the Gentiles weren't under that covenant either. Right. Right. So so I mean, we weren't under that covenant. The, the whole, for Israel. The whole, you know, aspect of that is, in fact, I think it is in Deuteronomy chapter 20 or, or something like that, where he asks, he goes, do you agree to this? And, and the children of Israel actually said, yes. Yes, we'll do it. We'll Be do it. Be it unto us, you know, <laughs> yeah, and we'll, we'll do it. it. So they agreed to the covenant. Mm -hmm. That's the thing about covenant is we agree to it. Yeah. And, and so, you know, Adam agreed to the covenant. Mm -hmm. uh, we agreed to the covenant, and, mm -hmm. and we were we didn't have any bounds put on us mm -hmm. for our sins, you know. But Jesus came and cut a covenant with the whole world. Mm -hmm. 
good. He said something in the beginning to, a, to that, and it left me. <laughs> he made comment about, um, oh, Come to you. He made a statement. I had it on the tip of my tongue. Oh, well. <laughs> Let's see if it's in my pump. Points to ponder. Because it was really good what he said. It just totally left me. Oh. Everybody will be, I, I just can't believe everybody's going to be identical the same, you know. Right. You said something about me. I don't know. It, maybe it'll come to me. Uh, I know this This wasn't about, you know, heaven and hell or, or, no, or anything uh -huh. else, but, you know, um, you know, Abraham's bosom was really divided into two areas. As mm -hmm. we know, the rich man and Lazarus, right? So you know that the the rich man was separated with a great void, and um, you know Jesus. You know we we talk about him death, hell, and the grave. Jesus actually went to the the bosom of Abraham, and he preached to those people and said, "This is who I am." Um, I think it's in is it First Thessalonians. He talked about. Um, he he going and releasing the cap the captive mm -hmm. in captivity. Mm -hmm. the, that was the that was the the aspect of him going and taking away those people that had been before that were waiting for that that's I think I actually mentioned it. So you know I I actually uh, was talking about it in Romans chapter 8 where it talks about how, um, you know, all of humanity was waiting until this day and it still is for, for the Son of God. And so we, you know, we've, we've, seen, we've seen Jesus come, death, hell, and the grave. He went and he, he took those that were held, held captive and then he gave gifts unto men. So we're we're sort of living in this new covenant that God had created with us, and that there will be a judgment to come. You know, every man will be judged based upon Jesus. What did they do with Jesus? I kind of remember now what it was he was going what he said. He said the old covenant 
was something that we received based, but I'm, I may not get it. Uh, yeah, that. here it is. Here it is. We, something we received based yeah. on what we, we did. What, we cho our what, choice. We cho what our yeah, choice was. Yeah. Yeah. And now in the new covenant, we receive Jesus' choice. Right. It says the old covenant was God's choice. Was God responding to our choice? Our choice, that's right. Which is representative of Adam and Eve. The new covenant is about us responding to God's choice, which is the representative of Jesus. Yeah, that's right. That, that, yeah. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> that was really good. I never, I had never even heard that. Even as me comes up, don't do this. That was new revelation for me. I'm like, never thought of it that way. Uh -huh. Yeah. Um, I just thought that was a good statement. That, that is how the Old Covenant was. And the reference, you know, that Dusty was talking about um, where God went to Israel and he's like, this is the law. And they're like, yeah, we'll do it. You know, well, they couldn't do it. None of us could do the law. <laughs> None of us could. And so, you know, they just thought they could, but they couldn't. And then that's why they, all that stuff they went through to show them that. You know, there's many times I've been going through something. I'm just like, God, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. And he's going, that's what I've been waiting on you to say. <laughs> I've been waiting on you. Tell me you couldn't do it because I'm going to do it for you. <laughs> so, yeah, sometimes we um, we try to do it in our own strength and in our own way. And that's what gets us in trouble. So, that is gracious. Anything else you want to talk about? That was, a, that was a lot of information, but it was real good stuff. Um, I don't know if really people understand covenants today. We we deal more with contracts these days rather than covenants. What your covenant is? And well, and our contracts can be broken. Right. Contracts, with God's yeah. covenant, it's not. Covenant. I mean, at least on His part. Right. Right. And actually, the covenant that we're in is the covenant that God made Jesus. And you know we're not going to break that covenant ever. So as long as we're staying in Him, which we will when we're born again, you're in Him and He's in you. That covenant can't be broken. Okay.